0: Welcome to Unmiked, a video series that blurs the edges that connect the world of opera to just about everything else. My name is Joe Spector and I'm the President and General Director of Arizona Opera. As a kid who grew up in Miami, Florida with dreams of being a hard rock star when I was an adult and who later ended up picking martial arts up and training in that for a big portion of my life, I have found those previous dreams and passions feeding into my everyday leadership of this opera company against all odds. The idea of Unmiked you know, came from this notion that really disparate lifestyles, passions, hobbies, experiences in a world that's totally unrelated that connects to the world of opera so that we can bring together people from these different lifestyles through this really wonderful art form. During each episode, I will be joined by a recognized professional from the opera field and a professional from another field who engages in similar work to demonstrate just how the elements of opera are the elements of our everyday lives. (laughs) Hi, welcome to this episode of Arizona Opera's Unmiked, the show where we find the blurry edge between the worlds of opera and just about everything else. We have some wonderful guests here today to talk about the subject of festivals, opera festivals and festivals of popular music. And we we have just two of my uh, favorite people in the world and uh, my two favorite Davids, uh, David Devan, the general director of Opera Philadelphia, who, if I'm not mistaken, is celebrating his 10-year anniversary with that company in that position this year. Not his 10-year anniversary with the company, but 10-year anniversary as general director this year. Uh, Opera Philadelphia has been just a wonderful pioneer of new work, really sort of uh, blazing a pathway for uh, our industry to follow in terms of exploring the boundaries of opera itself including through the uh, Festival O, which launched in 2017 and which was one of uh, my favorite artistic experiences over the last several years. I was so glad to be able to experience that, um, that launch together. And I can't wait uh, till I'm able to do that again and share that with you, uh, David Devan and Opera Philadelphia. Uh, David Beam is the Vice President of Global Events and Experiences for Global Citizen. Which uh, probably needs no introduction, but they produce worldwide music festivals of the absolute highest caliber and uh, for for many good causes. They brought in artists like uh, Pearl Jam, beyonce, Jay Z, Coldplay, Stevie Wonder and uh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, they held uh, one of the largest uh, online events, uh, I, I think maybe maybe the largest online event uh, through this entire period of time. Um, during a time when I think people needed to be brought together through through music. And uh, as, a, as a humble, humble brag, as uh, David's friend, I just have to mention that he was just named one of Billboard's top music lawyers of 2021. So congratulations, David Beam, for that. And thanks so much for uh, being with us today. Happy to be here. All right. All right, fellas. So I, wanted, I really wanted to focus today's episode on on the art of the festival. Because I feel like even, even though we're in this pandemic period of time where festivals have, have taken on sort of a, a, a special, uh, sp- sort of special place and a, an unusual definition, I, I do think that it's something that captures the imagination. I think there's something when you say a music festival, a festival of opera, it speaks to a kind of experience that's different than just going to a show just going to see an individual performer in a stadium. And, and those things are special too, but there's something about, there's something about the, the word festival that, that captures the imagination. So I want to start with David Devan. You, you launched, uh, you want, you launched uh, Festival O, O17, um, four years ago. What in your view is, is so special about a, uh, the, the festival itself, the format of a festival? What do you love about that medium?
1: Yeah, I mean, and our festival is a little different than a lot of other opera festivals um, because it's um super compressed. You left very tired but it, uh but elated at the first one, Joe. Um uh you know, it, it ranges, but it's usually 12 days and there can be t- be between 7 and 5 operas um that happen um over anywhere between 32 and 45 performances um all in different venues. So It's a a hyper binge watchy situation that we intentionally developed um, because uh, we we interrogated this through research and, you know, opera um, has in terms of how it gets distributed and how people consume it is out of step with how they consume every other form of entertainment and media. And so the idea was that we were going to basically follow follow the leader, um, just outside of opera. But what we learned along the way was um, we, we didn't have a curatorial theme. Um, we picked interesting artists doing their most interesting work. And what that led to was some really contrasting experiences that were radically different. And that's become the magic of the festival. I um, mean, I think that's wherever you go in a music festival that there's there's, it's not a passive, Um, participation it's more active um, and it's contrasting the other thing is is that we've noticed that audiences started talking to one another at different shows and comparing and contrasting and people actually make friends at festivals and when I mean David Bean probably knows this way better than me because I'm the newbie on the block I hail um, David and, and your organization we're just running to catch up but you know the idea that people can meet somebody at a festival and then go hey and coordinate their dates for the next year to come with someone they randomly met um, at a festival. So it's just, I think it's that um, full-on experience, both artistically so different and heightened social.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think that second piece is one I, I hadn't thought enough about before we got together today, but it's really true. There is a social aspect. There's this, Ooh, what did you think about this? And and, and changing notes and having a glass of wine in between and then powering up for the next show, which is it's a big deal for opera. Even if the pieces aren't that long, there is like a, an emotional right. sort of um, pull for all of that kind of work. And and in the work that Opera Philadelphia is is producing, you're left necessarily asking questions of, of some <laughs> sort or another um, as you walk it's out a, the door.
1: It's a good point, Joe. I should have probably put that in my opening remarks too about what's so different. For an art form that um, has a lot of crazy zeros, that's not commercially viable, risk is uh, a really kryptonite for a lot of um, opera producers. Um, And uh, the festival allows you to lean into risk. And you know what I mean? If you're going to see three or four shows and one of them, you really love the intention of it, like the quality, but eh, didn't really do it for you. It's, that's different than going on date night to one show Mm -hmm. where You got to knock it out of the park Mm -hmm. um, every time,
0: right? That's a great point. In terms of
1: people's tastes, I think quality needs to knock it out of the park every time. Of course, everything. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That's that's sort of that's the the threshold we have to cross with everything. Uh, David Beam. So, so for you, you've been involved with music festivals a a long time. Um, It's a powerful uh, medium. Uh, I think you and I have been to at least one or two music festivals together, and. It's, it's it's there's something just intoxicating about it what is it that what is it that, that is uh, special to you about that form and and maybe sort of riffing off david devan just a little bit in terms of not just the artistic aspect but that that social piece that's so important
2: uh, yeah and exactly i think that's what uh is the most interesting to me is the social aspect of it it's a community it's a community of like-minded individuals who are coming together and sharing an experience. And, uh, you know, the, the the experience is what I believe uh, drives people to want to come to a festival and be around people that are very diverse from them, but still, uh, you know, there's a common thread of some kind uh, throughout all of uh, the different festivals and that, that, that draws people to it. Um, certainly, you know, for a global citizen, uh, that is a very, very big part of what we do. Um, you know, we 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 want to find uh, people who care about, um, you know, equity a- around the world for everybody. Um, you know, we we are a movement of uh, engaged citizens who are using their collective voice to end extreme poverty by 2030. Our shows, our festivals, um, we. Uh, are mostly free tickets or, you know, largely all free tickets. And the only way into that show is by taking action on our platform, signing up to become a global citizen and taking action, collecting uh, points and then entering a lottery uh, or draw for a pair of tickets to our shows. So, uh, you know, all of those actions that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, are, are, audience takes is to address the systematic causes or the systemic cause of uh, extreme poverty. And so, um, you know, over the years, it's been fascinating to see globally how uh, passionate uh, most people are. And one of the, you know, one of the things that really draws me to our shows, which are really global variety shows, because we don't only have performances of the world's biggest artists, we also have World leaders on our stage. We have, you know, celebrities on our stage and uh, speaking. And you know, um, you know, there's commitments from CEOs and philanthropists and world leaders that happen side by side, along with, uh, you know, amazing performances all over the world. And so, we, um, we, what I've found over the years is that people come to expect. An amazing performance. They they want to see Beyonce, and then they also expect to save the world at the same time. Particularly <laughs> this generation, and uh, and I love it because I think that's really what uh, um, what we should all be striving for. It's not just to go out and have a good time, but to ha- be purposeful um, and to engage people on matters that uh, affect every every one of us. Yeah, yes,
0: see Beyonce save the world. That's a that's pretty that's pretty potent. And, and both Global Citizen and Opera Philadelphia in a different way are oriented towards global impact. I mean, in, in the case of Opera Philadelphia, you're always thinking about how your work can, can not just um, expand the brand of Opera Philadelphia, but expand the, the brand of opera and, and put work out there that is going to be meaningful at, at, at as many companies as possible. Um, s- sticking with, with David Bean for just a second, though, before, before we follow up on that, the, the the revenue models for for Global Citizen and Opera Philadelphia are 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 not the same. I mean, the there's there's these, um, the significant philanthropic support that's necessary for the arts, regardless of the um, regardless of the mission. But you know, in the case of, case of Global Citizen, you know, it's just sort of these staggering dollars of uh, billions of dollars of of impact driving towards these um, equity oriented causes and so forth. And, um, and a lot of it is corporate support, whereas in the world of opera, you know, it's, it tends to be more oriented towards individuals, foundations to, to an extent. But the, the social cohesion of the people that come, I wanna like z- just zero in on this for a second, because I, I have a feeling that when you're at a global citizen event, th- there is something palpable about that mission-driven aspect that delineates it from just another music festival. Can, can you talk about that just a little bit more about about the, the sort of internal cohesion of people that attend your events?
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's uh, it, like over the years, we've had um, close to $50 billion announced on our stage. And I'm super proud of that. That's, uh, you know, com- commitments from world leaders, philanthropists, corporate CEOs, that's uh, set to affect the lives of 880 million people. Um, You know, that's the reason why we uh, do these shows, and it wouldn't have been possible without the global citizens who have taken over 28 million actions on our platform in order to uh, get world leaders and and everyone on our stage to make those commitments. Um, Our, you know, business model is a little different. We don't charge to come to our shows, so we are supported uh, by... By corporations, but by also philanthropy, uh, philanthropy and um, other resources like that. So you know, it, it comes from a variety of different. Uh, comes in from a variety of different ways. Our audience is is, uh, is is fascinating. Over the years, I've seen the focus shift from just the performers, and you know, when we had commitments, um, they were there were pe- people uh, paying attention. But over the years. I've seen it change from the rock stars that are the bands, the rock stars that are making commitments. And uh, it's, it's amazing to see activists on stage, world leaders on stage who are taking a stand for the uh, world's poor. And you know having somebody uh, like uh, Nobel Prize winner, uh, Malala Yousafzai on stage, Get as met, uh, you know, get more cheers than you know. One of the world's you know biggest artists is f- is exciting as hell to see and uh, to be a part of and to be in the audience because everyone is uh is is very well aware of uh of what uh, challenges face this uh, this world and especially now that you know being in a global pandemic, uh, this is uh you know we're, we're all in this together you know we're you know there's Uh, There's nothing to pull everyone together and to show that, you know, a virus anywhere is a virus everywhere. It's the same thing, you know, on all matters related to poverty. And I think that our audience knows that and, uh, you know, wants to see that change in our lifetime.
0: Mm. No, it's, it's powerful. It's a, it's a powerful binding force. Uh, The, the, you know, the industry of opera has, you know, been going through this period of, of self-inspection and revelation and trying to figure out how we can be uh, better stewards of the communities that we serve, more representative, more equitable. Uh, Opera Philadelphia, again, has been uh, wonderfully engaged in that work in that, in that first uh, festival, 017. They premiered, We Shall Not Be Moved uh, on the channel, either coming up or coming up soon, Save the Boys. Uh, by Tishan Suri and featuring John Holiday, who has his own unique uh, pandemic pivot in terms of uh, reality TV, which I'll let um, David Devan talk about in just a second. Uh, you know, e- even though the, the dynamic's somewhat different in terms of who are the audiences, what's the reach, the exact number of commas, the thing that's the same in your story, David and uh, David Beam and, and David Devan's, is that it is that uh, focus on mission. Uh, and, and on, on being more expansive in service that helps to drive higher levels of support and engaging unexpected players. So so let me throw that into David Devan's court, um, uh, talking about mission, talking about brand, talking about impact um, in, in the way that you have rethought that and, and maybe specifically on the topic of equity.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, and uh, David uh, being just you know hats off, um, amazing. Um, inspiring um, and, and you know I, I said it earlier I was running to keep up to festivals but we're running to keep up um, to um, the mission of uh, Global Citizen because um, you know uh, in my view and I'm not speaking on behalf of the industry but I think um, classical arts organizations over the last 50 years have perfected exclusion in everything that they do. It's the subscription model, exclusivity, the patron model, Um, the work that goes on stage um, has been centered around a white gaze of of resources. Um, And uh, what we started doing a number of years ago um, leading up to the festival um, was to sort of try and untangle that. Um, and invite people and voices and stories um, into, into the equation. Um, opera, at the heart of it, is a virtuosic act of making music. And so we wanted to um, uh, embrace that and give creators of different cultures and backgrounds um, absolute free license to explore that and um, have their stories and their voices told and we shall not be moved um, was uh, one of them that's ended up going around the world um, about um, an incident in Philadelphia um, where um, uh, there were some 32 years ago, there were um, some squatters um, uh, in a part of the city um, that were um, a black power movement uh, called MOVE and um, they became, got into loggerheads with the police, and um, uh, the city dropped two one ton bombs on them. And um, the fire um, department watched things burn. And um, we opened up the dialogue to have um, uh, uh, African American composer Daniel Bernard Romaine. Um, told me he could write whatever opera he wanted. He came up with this as the basis for his, his work. Um, and that started us into a real sort of um, inspection, and we're just just getting started really. But you know, um, taking the, the the adage of not about us without us, and opening up the us" to be lots of different people, um, and to also um, share power, so we can deal with the inequities um, in um, uh, resources that go to people um, in different communities. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big lift of the word. We don't have um, the zeros um, that Beyonce <laughs> has, but we have we have in our own little our own little way, um, you know, lifted up our community and and had hard conversations. Um, uh, and we've um, and that message has because it's been so specific about our community has resonated um, in other markets and in other communities um, uh, in Europe and in, and in the U.S. So it's it's um, it's I think it's 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 essential. If we don't um, kind of let the exclusionary practice burn, um, we're dead, and we shouldn't even we shouldn't even really qualify for our 501c3 status in my view. Um, and, and if we don't take a pandemic, a time when our heritage of our practice has been suspended, if we don't take that as a time to her, then again, that's on us. You, you, you <laughs> so, you know, I'm so thrilled to be here with the other David because my mind's racing as he's talking um, because I'm like, crap, right. How do we do something like that, um, uh, you know, in a, right. in our own way, or partner or something, because we do, I mean, you know, we live in a city that has huge inequities in it, like most cities in the U.S. Um, and how, uh, just, I don't know where we go, but how do we, how do, how do we really deal with this in a real way, like you all have, David, so... Um,
2: I want to say that we're not too different. I mean, you know, you talk about scale. I mean, I know that you're in a city, but um, scale to me, you know, you could do the biggest shows and we certainly had the biggest shows, but it's still, uh, you know, the the impact uh, can can resonate far and wide, as you're saying it has in, in Europe, but also just, you know, in terms of actually producing a show, scale is still you know you're still doing a lot of the same things we're just yeah. doing doing more of it or doing less of it It's still the same effort and um so yeah i think that i i, I want to say that we're not too far off and and you know certainly I, you know the things that happen locally you know think locally act globally you know like you know th- that that ethos is is uh, interesting you know and a fun dynamic to play with and certainly broadening it you know from there you can go as as broad as you want, but I, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're pretty close. <laughs> well, and
1: even our economics aren't that kooky um, different other than the zero. The zeros, let's just cancel those out, okay. Um, uh, but in terms of our, uh, like 80% of our budget is made up of philanthropy, only 20%, because as we do, we do actually very few operas in the Opera House um, uh, relative to our total amount of production. We do a lot of site-specific work um, and, and So we keep prices very low um, uh, as we start working in a broader uh, swath of artistic uh, practice. Um, And so um, uh, the the philanthropy model is um, necessary for us. But what you've all done, which is amazing, which I'm going to now think about more deeply, um, is um, the idea of getting people involved um, in, in actually in action, um, I think is wildly powerful. Um, so thanks for that one.
0: Very cool. Uh, I, I do have to mention in here, just in case there's a co-production opportunity, Beyonce did do Carmen hip opera 20 years ago. So I'm just saying, she did. She did. <laughs> it, it's it, out there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is interesting that at that point, because, you know, I think I think that there's opportunities for pop culture and um, for um, virtuosic classical art, artists to hang. I mean, we were just talking about on our channel how Sa- Sasha Valour um, is in our, our our last digital commission. Um, John Holliday, who's a countertenor. So, um, for those that don't know what a countertenor is, um, it's um, a uh, male voice that um, uh, sings between a mezzo-soprano and a soprano range, depending on their particular um, instrument. Um, and uh, John Holliday, his pivot was he—he he got to the near the the very end of the voice, um, and. Uh, and so, you know, there, there there's real opportunity. I think there's real opportunities um, because I do, I think, uh, David, if you would agree, I think one of the things I, 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 the community is fostered at these at these festivals, um, but there is an element of virtuosity that um, permeates the whole thing because there's this. There's a scale, um, there's an audacity to a festival, which is virtuosic in itself. Um, and then you're putting the best performers, the people that are super have superhuman powers to produce music. Um, and so that virtuosity is something that's, I think, absolutely key. And I think our two worlds might have more in common in that space than One might think if we
2: certainly on the classical side, if we got out of our way, our own way. (laughs) Yeah, I bet that's right. I just want to be clear that we did have. We don't only have the Beyonces and the Coldplays of the world on our stages. But in uh, last year, we had a show, uh, "Global Goal Unite for Our Future," where we um, had an amazing performance uh, um, in Los Angeles uh, with uh, the LA Philharmonic. Uh, led by Gustavo Dunamel and, yes. and the performance by Janai Bridges. So we just- Oh, great, out. we
1: love we So she, she trained um, in Philadelphia.
2: <laughs> there we go. See, we're another connection. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. Um,
0: so it, so just going back to that point for a second, David Beam, it, it, you say it's not just about getting the biggest pop acts or what have you. And it, it, can, it can never be just- who are the biggest people and throw them in a blender, and we make a festival? There has to be some sort of alchemy of, of how you match up the artists, how you figure out even the, the sequence of performers. Um, talk talk to us a little, just a little bit about what that's like. How do you figure out who's going to complement one another in the course of, you know, a, a traditional out, you know, traditional Global Citizen Festival performance?
2: Yeah, our our shows are pretty dynamic in that we're we're not a well even most you know major festival lineups it's not it's it's a uh, it's it's just like your spotify playlist you know you have a mix of artists it's not you know just any one kind um and you know uh we've always strived to have a very diverse audience um and that to that's really important you're seeing that a lot more across festivals which is really you know fascinating to to um to see you know even on the most popular lineups uh, you know they, they want to have uh, a, a lineup that really represents um, you know their audience as much as possible but also you know the, the all the different tastes it's not just a you know sure there are festivals that focus on specific genres of music but um, you're seeing a lot of uh, festivals stretch out We we have the added benefit of being a global organization so um, you know, we, we can stretch out even further and uh, have artists like Yemi Alade and, you know, Nigerian artists or South African artists or um, South Korean uh, uh, um, artists and all on one stage with, uh, you know, the inter- these international performances. So, you know, for us, we cast a wide net because our funnel... Uh, is at the top, we want to get as many people into that funnel as possible because we want them to become passionate. We want them to use their share of voice, their, uh, you know, the the voice that they share on social and talk to their friends about what, you know, what causes, you know, what moves them the most to be ending extreme poverty. So how do you do that? Uh, You know, you you get the audience who's, you, you know, there's one target through many different lenses. And so you may like, uh, rock, you know, you may only like rock artists. You may only like, you know, pop artists, or you may, you know, find that entryway into this through, um, you know, through a local artist, a regional artist that means something to you. So, you know, we have a a lot of people, uh, advisors that help guide this and craft, you know, amazing lineups and. The outreach is is uh, you know with that team is just Herculean. I'd uh, you know it's it's uh, you know a a lot of um, uh, a lot of work to get artists to you know lend their their performance uh, to to our cause because they're not signing up just to do a a show. They're also and I think this is true for any artist at any festival, not just uh, you know one of ours, but. They, they're, they're standing up for, they're, they're lending their voice to your to your festival. And especially with ours, we're asking them to, uh, you know, actually go a lot further beyond that and uh, help promote our, our uh, campaigns and advocacy work. Right, so, so
0: for you, I mean, it's, it's very multidimensional. You're thinking intentionally about who you engage, how they might reflect the people that you want to feel like they're part of the process and everyone on the stage in the audience everyone is there for the purpose of of using their their voice um it's really powerful uh david devan in in the opera context you have like an additional layer because you have not only the stories of the performers themselves and how can the performers on their stages be reflective and and excite audiences that haven't engaged with us before but then you also have the opera selections themselves and the stories those tell um what is the what's how do you think about the the alchemy of th- that whole mix the programming mix because it because it, it is there is a variety you do have traviata on you know on your channel at the same time you have you know save the boy so how yeah. do you and and especially because you have these long planning timelines for operas themselves, everything has to sort of land at this one period yeah. of time. Yeah. Just right, how, how do you, how do you? Yeah, know? we've got projects in,
1: uh, that we're initiating for 24, 25. Now we don't even know what audiences are gonna do. <laughs> right. to make... Here we right. are. Um, uh, yeah, so um, you know, first and foremost, um, we don't actually ever really have a list of operas or projects, we have a list of artists. So we have sort of our magic decoder ring is a spreadsheet that is lists about um, artists that um, we believe we have an environment that can give them voice um, to do their most and their opportunities to do their most exciting work. And we enter into dialogue with them about what they want to do. And then they come up with an idea and then someone else has an idea and the producer team has an idea. And it's like this Rubik's cube that just keeps turning and moving because the goal is is that um, we want it to be um, our, our, our festival and our company in general to be an artist and community-centered enterprise. Mm. Um, and so that means that I, as the Grand Poobah, need to give up curatorial authority to others if that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we hope, what our goal is, is when we wire together a festival, that it's wiring together the most urgent work of artists. Um, and that's, and, and when we say artists, plural, and that it comes from a diverse range of artists.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so, um, that's kind of the, um, curatorial, um, ethos, um, which is incredibly messy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, it's, um, power sharing, um, and very decentralized. Um, my role, um, as the general director, um, is to make sure that people are honestly living within that that range of the most urgent work and that things are resourced properly. Um, And even if it's something not to your taste or if it's really pushing the envelope on a social justice issue, um, that there's integrity of intention Mm -hmm. um, and there's integrity of voice. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really evolved in the last 10 years. You know, we used to, in our field, we used to go, okay, what operas did the general director think um, we need to do? And um, certainly our forebears—that's how it, that's how it worked. Um, but that's how we're
0: that's how we're doing it now. I, I've got to ask you about this. It's not it's not on the uh, the approved list of questions. But since we're tearing down the patriarchy today, yes. I'm going to ask anyway. That because the because the keystone of what you just described is is artist centered, and, and I and I love that um, that first decision that first decision who are the artists that we're going to empower in this way becomes really such a key decision point because from that point on you're, di- you're divesting yourself of yep. decision making so and that's not something that fits on a spreadsheet you know what is the what what is the process by which you by which you d- decide this is the person whose voice we need to we need to lend strength to lend lend voice to lend the amplification to
1: yeah, so we, um, two, um, so there's a couple answers to that. So I'll try to be um, brief. Um, so first of all, we look at in opera and outside opera. Um, and in both cases, we're looking at um, who is um, doing urgent work, who has something to say today that's going to have, and they're going to have more to say tomorrow, because do you know what I mean? If we want to give them, you know, a project like a you know, for us, a main stage commission, everything in, um, you know, is $2.2 million um, is the project scope. So, you know, if we're gonna do that, let's make sure they have voice there, but it's part of a, a, a longer effort. Mm-hmm. Um, we also wanna make sure that we're dealing, um, we're look for people in um, different stages of career. Who are, the, who are the most exciting emerging artists? Who are the um, mid-career? Um, who are the people that are um, at a latter part of a career. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done some of our most exciting work um, with some artists like um, Stephanie Blythe, who's enjoyed like, you know, one of the greatest mezzo careers. (laughs) Um, um, And she's discovered Cabaret and um, being a drag king, um, uh, which she has now created a whole show from that was born at our festival um uh thanks to Martha Graham Cracker um who's a <laughs> local drag queen um so um so we're looking at different careers we're looking at outside of opera and adjacent to opera who's doing virtues work who um that is interesting video artist. um we really spent a lot of time looking outside the form and that why you need a wide team that has very eclectic taste that is in their free time not hanging out in opera they're mm-hmm. hanging out elsewhere mm-hmm. um uh and, and so um and then I guess finally we're lately or through the pandemic with our channel we've really um are looking for we, we've always had creative artists but with performing artists we are looking and thinking about performing artists as creators and mm-hmm. which performing artists um are creating um work that and have an interest in creating work that's bigger than their singular talent mm-hmm. and how what and how can they um inform the ecology of a project mm-hmm. um in a passive way because opera singers of course you know they're trained to here are the notes train it to you remember you know go and go go and just do what's on the page it's like mm-hmm basically hundred percent performative, right? right? And I think we're exp- we're uh,
0: looking past that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I, w- I want to shift gears. Uh, I, I want to shift gears really hard right now because, you know, listening to listening to you, David Devan, and you know this these long planning timelines, empowering artists. This is real. This is this is the your your daily your daily work. David Beam, you know, the billions of impact, the stars, you know, creating opportunities for potable water in places where all of that is true. And and I and I I want people to get to have a moment of humanity with you because buried in your festivals are probably a lot of moments of sheer terror. And I want people to get to know that that failure is part of the great successes that both of you had in your your endeavor so so you know to the extent you feel comfortable uh I, I would love to just zero in on a moment because because the the the, the veneer of a beautifully executed festival is not always the whole story and, and there have to be these moments I would, I would just love for you guys to share an anecdote a place the train almost went off the rails you know a, a, a situation you had to save i remember i i won't name the show but i remember david in, in 017 there was a night and you were so genial about it. You're like, I need to go visit with the creatives for this team. We need to talk to them. We need to make sure we and 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 what was what was very evident to me in your in your graceful way of saying this was that there was an existential moment that needed <laughs> that needed to be addressed. Uh, and I and I I never want people to think that the work that that all of us do is perfect. It's it's it, there are always moments of sheer terror. Let's let's start with you, David Devan. Just anything you feel comfortable sharing. Bring people under the. Oh God, I have
1: so head. many. I have so many. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, everything from you know the first festival. We had this um, site specific work at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and the museum wasn't letting people in um, through the front door of the museum. Um, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, and like walked around on the,
1: the other side, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. Um, you know, um, we've had times where, because um, our work expands over the city, and some projects are closer to one another, so you can sometimes have sort of a, a set-in of people feeling isolated and not part of the, of the community, and you have to do some kind of special massaging um, to uh, make sure that happens. Um, Glass Handle, we, you know, crazy piece with Anthony, um, uh, you know, Philip Glass uh, Handle. Um, we did it with Visionaire um, in New York. So all the audience was moved throughout the entire performance with a period orchestra, a contemporary orchestra, dance artists, 10, ten filmmakers on video projections. People were slicing all great, all at the Barnes Foundation. And the preview night, the final rehearsal, 15 minutes before we start, power goes out. Yes. Um, and is um, not restored. Um, and I'm like we're like on the phone to like the mayor. <laughs> right. Um and what do you do in a multimedia show, no power, um, in the middle of something. So there's just, and you've got two other things opening that night. Right. And who goes where, who goes what. Um so, yeah, but you know it's it's live performance. that's yeah. the joy of it. The imperfection of it is something you just need to lean into,
0: I think so um, that's the key is just yeah. embrace the imperfection, embrace the the live theater.
1: Yeah, the yeah. other thing that's just a final thing is that you know when we, we we bit off a little more than we could chew for those first two festivals we were hanging on by a thread. And it took us a couple to sort of get the balance right of what mm-hmm. we could actually support. Sure. Sure. And we almost had too much choice in that first seat of that first mm-hmm. festival for even the customer consumers. But it was our first one, we are gonna go big or go home. So uh, that's fine. But um, also just, you know, um, if you have a great festival, it doesn't mean you can chase every good idea. And mm-hmm. that's, that's actually been, I think, where that's the thing that's tested us the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to have, uh, you know, eyes that are a little too big for the stomach. But 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 it's also easier to do something big and recalibrate than to start right. small. start small and, start when you're small and no one cares. <laughs> yeah, When you're trying to make a big impact. Yeah. Uh, what about you, David Beam? A, a favorite moment of terror uh, to humanize the the experience.
2: I, I really don't know what you're talking about.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs> always, always completely on. <laughs> 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 on plan. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, that was a delivery, I, by the way, your, your acting chops are, are thank still. you. <laughs> uh,
2: no, it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you, we are one of the more ambitious, uh, organi- organizations certainly to take on the biggest challenges of our lifetime by ending extreme poverty in you know, uh, the next few years by 2030, according to the, to the, uh, UN global goals. Um, so w- we're not afraid of taking on challenges and, we're a bit naive in that in that in that we're, we're like, yeah, let's do that. And we can we can take that on. And, uh, you know, uh, a friend that worked um, with Obama, President Obama, uh, when he was in office, he, he explained to me how it, that he had a, a plaque on his desk that said, hard work is hard. And, you know, it always sticks with me because it's like, okay, this is going to be hard. Now what? You know, now let's get through that and figure it out. Um, Because, uh, you know, when I was talking about scale earlier, uh, you know, you, you think about having these ridiculous productions of huge international artists. You have world leaders who are protectees, you know, that are, you know, that have that throw your security plans and everything in disarray and it gets a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. um and then you have multiple ones and one that one story that comes to multiple world leaders one story that comes to my mind is um we did a a global citizen festival in in hamburg germany during the g20 which if you've ever been in a city during the g20 (laughs) it's uh it's on lockdown, there's, you know, 20 of the most powerful countries and world leaders are in town moving around at any given time. Um, and we had an amazing lineup and, uh, you know, uh, Coldplay and Shakira, uh, um, you know, the list goes on and along with, you know, lo- local artists and, um, you know, that that were very well known uh, throughout Germany. And um, we, you know our shows are always broadcast live as well and you know at the time before the pandemic and uh so we had um we had you know an arena full of people coming in getting there leaving super early to get there on time our broadcast had to start on time we needed the show to look fantastic and full and um you know i'm worried about getting everybody in getting you know uh uh, you know, Coldplay is was opening the show. They were gracious enough to start, to kick the show off, which is remarkable. Wow. And then I get called on the radio, and uh, two of the you know many world leaders that were at the show uh, wanted to have a bilateral meeting, mm-hmm. which, as you guys probably know, bilats. Um, <laughs> I had never heard this term before. And they said uh, they, and, you know, literally gates are open. People are filling in and I need to um, all of a sudden set up a very specific protocol to have a bilateral meeting. And I was just like, you know, no problem. And I'm Googling and <laughs> what <this looks> like? <laughs> And sure enough, we you know was able like I got I threw it all like the whole team on it, and we were able to you know get this together and um, you know just in time. And uh, you know there, these world leaders are are meeting, and I'm looking up at the 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 suite the box that we you know we had an extra one. I just saved it because I was like we're gonna need this. And I look up at that, and as you know, Chris Martin and Coldplay are taking the stage. And, and there's a bilateral meeting going on. So yeah, there's no, it's crazy, but like you roll with it and it's what makes the, you know, makes the job really exciting and fun. I love it, I love it. But, and just, just because it has to be said,
0: I think that we've set up a bilateral meeting between the two Davids. I'm, I'm just gonna say, we pulled this off pretty effectively today. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the end, end of our time here. And, uh, and you both touched on it uh, during your earlier comments What's the future of the festival? Just, just a quick hit on, you know, we emerge into the new normal. We're all just trying to figure out what that's going to be. And we've learned about staying connected in, through through meetings like this, which we're doing on, on Zoom, and uh, all sorts of other ways that we have expanded the way in which we stay connected, none of which, for me, totally replaced that live in-person experience. So what is the future of the festival for you, David Beam? Is it is it live and um, streamed? you already were doing that but is there something different is there a new layer that you think is going to come out of this period of time
2: I think I I, not to you know uh not to only just say like what we're doing is right but I do feel like what we're doing is becoming more mainstream and I think that you know uh social causes are going to find their ways into every festival whether it's you know on a local level, you know, or a micro, you know, local level is very specific topic, all the way up to global, you know, um, causes. I think that theme is gonna continue to grow, particularly in light of this pandemic. And, um, you know, I think that there will also be changes, uh, you know, for the, in the short term, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, long-term as well, regarding the health and safety of the audience that attends these shows. Um, but overall, I think that, uh, the experience is going to become, uh, uh, a lot more intense with technology, with, you know, uh, capabilities that have, haven't yet really been explored. Um, and, you know, we I think one of the things that came, came, that became very popular as a result of this past year was the, uh, um, was, was live streaming? I think people, you know, view that more as a thing to do. Where where they all it always has been, but now it's um you know now there's different tools and ways to reach a broader and uh you know broader audience that um you know still wants to participate in in a meaningful way. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited about it. I, you know I I feel fortunate to. Uh, have a lot of friends that that do this type of thing and when we talk about it and geek out it's uh you know the the possibilities are really endless and um and and i really i'm excited about the collaborations that could happen uh globally really yeah i
0: love it there are structures in in the opera industry that sometimes make sharing of what we do through technology a little bit more challenging but I have a feeling I know what, what David Devan's gonna say here. What about you, the future of the festival, live performance, digital, are, are you on the same page as David Beam that there's gonna be just this continually more enhanced virtual aspect? Yeah,
1: I think, I think, um, I think the need for community and, and being sitting with people that you don't know in a performance that you can feel a part of without talking about some complicated things. <laughs> I think it's just going to be, um, uh, is going to be a part of the future. This is this act of community and being with one another. But I do think for us, we made a big commitment to cinematic opera that we're doing through digital streaming, and that will become intertwined with the um, in real life festival experience screenings and things like Sundancey-like Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, things um, and to David's point about technology and things that are working, obviously capture and streaming. Although we've had more success on purpose-built um, uh, screen stuff than actual streaming for our particular form. Um, and uh, the the other thing for us, because we have de- we've really started to become a destination festival as well. Is that I do think travel will be um, something that maybe um, changes. Um, And is a little bit less, and I think that might not be. I I don't think that's a bad thing because I think it's going to make festivals like ours um, more um, locally um, sourced or centered, Mm -hmm. um, with hopefully still international impact. Um, But I think it'll. I I think the need for home in as as David does in his work, um, you know, and for it to have with meaning a purpose that is not only artistic. Um, but it is also about the welfare of our community, all of our community.
0: Well, that's a, that's a great place to tie off. And I loved how much the work that that each of you is doing sort of, you know, blurs into the edge of the other. And that really is the point of this show is that there's so much more that we have in common uh, with other industries and not even just entertainment industries. And I, I just uh, love how dynamic these conversations are to, to find out, you know, just where that blurry edge is. So, Uh, David Devan, David Beam, thank you so much for uh, being with us today on this episode of Unmiked. Uh, I'm proud to be your friends and I'm excited by what each of you are doing in your careers. I can't wait to see what's coming up next.
1: Well, thanks, Joe. And congratulations on all your great work at Arizona Opera. Um, You um, have been very uh, praiseworthy of us, but I'd like to turn uh, the mirror around a little bit and um, just compliment you as a friend and a colleague who's also um, done some really great leading work. Um, and um, really, our, your work is leaving an indelible mark in our field.
0: So um, happy to be with you. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, David DeVan. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Unmiked. And uh, we can't wait to see you the next time around. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Unmiked. Where we blur the edges that connect the world of opera to just about everything else. A new episode will be released each month, so be sure to check our website azopera.org, join our email list, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Unmiked is a part of Arizona Opera's Connection Lab program a new series of digital and public offerings designed to facilitate a connection between Arizona communities familiar with our company, as well as opera goers and others well beyond our state. Arizona Opera is grateful to our lead digital sponsors for the 2020-21 season, Ron and Kay McDougal. Arizona Opera's next-gen programs are made possible through the support of Karen Fruin, Roma Whitcoff, Jeanette J. Siegel, the Valentine Family Foundation, APS and Jody Pelusi. To learn more about the programs that are part of Arizona Opera Next Gen, please visit us online at azopera.org.